Hey, welcome to the Transforming Life Church podcast. We hope this encourages you and inspires you in your journey with Christ. So sit back, relax, and check out this week's message. Here today. I mean, you know, there, there's some words that have opposite meanings, right? And especially in, in our culture, there's all these slang words that, that get used. You know, I'm a, I'm a product of the 80s and the 90s, and so, so words like bad, you know, that, that has a double meaning. Like, if someone was like, yo, that man, your, your bike is bad, man, um, that wouldn't mean that it's like a bad bike, like that something's wrong with it. That just means it's cool, right? You guys follow me, everybody? Man, I, I don't want to speak over any old folks' heads this morning, but. Uh, uh, just kidding, I, I'm just teasing a little bit. But bad, yeah, what about, what about sick? Man, Mark and those guitar licks this morning, that was sick, man. Well, what's wrong with Mark? He's got to go to the doctor. You got COVID? No, he's got the number. No, no, that just means his playing was really good, right? You guys follow me? Anybody from up in the Boston area? Nobody? I know we got a lot of New Yorkers and mostly Southerners, but remember, they'll use a term called wicked. Hey, yo, that's wicked awesome, you know? It's not because it's the devil or anything like that. It's just a term that they, it just means cool, like awesome. Kind of, you know, y'all feel me? You follow me? Like, you're probably like, where is his book with all this? Um, yeah, there's all these different words that have this double meaning. Today, I want to talk about the word ridiculous, right? And even some of the kids might, if it's really ridiculous, they might say it's redonkulous, right? Yeah, you understand what I'm saying, right? It's super ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but I want to talk to you about ridiculous. In fact, we're starting a series today. Ridiculous, right? There's some things that just don't make sense, right? There's some things in this world you might think your kids' behavior this week at school is the first. You might thought that behavior was ridiculous. You are acting ridiculous, right? Parents, you say that this week, right? Um, but yeah, it might be something that doesn't make sense, or normally it's not like a good word. But I want to use it in a different way this morning. When talking about our faith and our commitment to the Lord, anybody have ridiculous faith? A faith that doesn't make sense to the rest of the world. In fact, the world might look at the church and think, wow, that's ridiculous. Right? Well, you, give, you give how much of your income to the church? That's ridiculous. Right? You're, why are you laying hands on that person? That's weird. That's ridiculous. You know what I mean? They don't understand. Right? You're, you're following a guy that you can't even see? That's ridiculous. Right? And the world kind of look at the church and, and look at a lot of things that we do and say sometimes and think that you, you, you mean you don't believe in science? I don't believe scientifically, right? Don't be judging me because I believe in science. Nacho Libre famous in the room, anybody? All the younger people, maybe? I'll try. I'm sorry. But yeah, so they might look at the way we think and what we believe and think, ah, it's ridiculous. And maybe to the world it is. But I want, I want to have ridiculous faith. Anybody have ridiculous faith that, you know, it doesn't make sense. It can only be God, right? I, I want to have a ridiculous commitment to God in that I'm all in. Like, I, I, I'm not going to waver. I'm not going to be in one day. But, oh, it doesn't really fit my life today. You know what I'm saying? Uh, oh, yeah, I'm all about God on Sunday. But Monday is coming. Boss is a jerk. Or, or Sunday, I'm going to hit the club up. And then Sunday, oh, no. Back, back, back to my, my church face, you know? Right? I want to have ridiculous faith. I want to have ridiculous commitment. I want to pray some ridiculous prayers, Caesar. Some prayers that, that it can only be God. 
And that's what I want to talk to you about over the next several weeks. Can you imagine what can happen if we gave full control over to God? Full control over to God. I'm not talking about this. We're supposed to give all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul. But sometimes there's some areas in our life that we're like, ah, I'm comfortable with keeping that in my life, God. I don't, you can have this, right? God, God, this doesn't mess me up. This doesn't cost me a whole lot. So God, you, you, you can have this. Oh, oh my, my wallet? Yeah, I kind of I need that right now. Oh, what, or, or what if what if something breaks? It's hot right now. What if the AC breaks? God, I, I can't. I'm sorry. Right? What if we can all? Oh, what if we put all the chips in, put it on? I mean, Jesus gave his all for you and for me. He gave his life. Come on. We need to learn to give our all to him and have ridiculous commitment. Ridiculous. It would be scary sometimes. It's, it's scary because we're all a bunch of control freaks, aren't we? Like we have to have control of, uh, of this. And as soon as we let go and let God a little bit, it's, it's a little uncomfortable. It's like, oh my gosh, you know, I don't know what to do now. And like, it's a, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm doing this thing in the dark. But we're really not because God's right there with us every step of the way. It can be scary, but the benefits can be world-altering. It can be life-changing, not just for you, but for the people Around you. I'm like, I want to have ridiculous commitment. It's time for the church to rise up, start taking some risks. This is not a time in the world that we are living in today for the church to hunker down and to and, and, and to and to just hey, let's 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 not get involved in politics. Let's let's get let's stay out of it because you know let's just keep those things separate. Hey, no, 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 no. Let's all get involved in all the racial things and the riots and all that. Let's 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 stay out of that because that's messy. Right? Uh, you know, let's stay out of this. Let's stay out of, you know, back, back in the day, they took prayer out of school, right? I, what, what happened with that? How come nobody stood up and fought? You know? uh, where, where's the church at right now? With everything that's going on, are we, are we willing to stand up and fight? But a lot of us aren't because it's, oh, I might get arrested. Oh, we might get judged. You realize in the American church, we have it good. There's revival going on in other parts of the world. And, and I believe it's going on because they're desperate for God, because they can't worship in public. They're having to go underground, because if they worship in public, they could be arrested or even killed. That still goes on. Today, here we are, we live in, in the American church. We're not trying to beat us up or anything like that, but we've got it comfortable. We've got it easy. We can freely come in and worship together. We don't really know persecution. And I fear that it's coming. And it's coming sooner than what we might like to think. That's just the way things are, are headed. Now is not a time to, to, to sit back and to be comfortable. But let's start taking risks. Let's start trusting God. Let's start making the decisions that the world doesn't understand. That on paper it doesn't make sense. But it's going to change our lives and the people's lives around us. So join me as we look into the life of Elisha over the next few weeks. And let's see what a life can look like when we decide to let go and let God and have some ridiculous faith. Anybody ready for you ready to live a ridiculous life? Not the way the world sees it, but a ridiculous commitment to God. Ridiculous faith. Go to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. In verses 19 through 21. First Kings, if you're watching online, we're so excited that you are joining with us today. And you can join us this morning and turn to First Kings chapter 19. 
uh, verses 19 through 21 um, as well. Uh, we hope you guys have a life-changing experience, even if you're watching uh, from home today, or maybe you're watching at some point later on uh, this week. Uh, thanks for checking us out today. But as you're turning there, before you get there, I want to give you just a little bit of background on Elisha a little bit. He was an Old Testament prophet. He had ridiculous faith. He had ridiculous commitment uh, to God. He, he didn't live one foot uh, in, in the prophet world and one foot in, in the world. Because right? that, that just doesn't work. There's many today that try to do that, and, and it, doesn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't pan out well for anybody. But he was, he was all in. He was fully committed. Ridiculous faith, ridiculous commitment. He trained the, the prophet Elijah. Now, I don't know why God would do that. Why, why are you going to have Elijah and then Elisha and just confuse us all? It's like the parents, and if you're in the room, this is not to offend you, but there's parents that name their kids' names that are really close, and it's like, you're just, you're just asking to drive stuff crazy, and you have to go through all your kids' names before you actually get the right one, right? You know what I mean? It's like, oh, God, why would you do that? I don't know. That's just, I ask questions when I read the Bible, so. But, but, but Elisha trained under Elijah uh, before Elijah got called up to God. Um, Elisha asked him for a double portion. So listen, if I'm going to continue your ministry, I'm going to, I'm going to need, uh, I can't do it on my own, so I'm going to need a double portion. Um, and he records more miracles than Elijah does. Things like inviting the Jordan. <coughs> Elijah had done that right before God called him away. And so this was Elisha's test. God, give me this double portion. Uh, Elijah goes and he goes and he touches the Jordan and, 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 it, and it splits the water. Uh, there was a scene, and I love this story uh, because I'm bald, but, um, but the prophet Elisha was walking along, and there was a group of young people that were making fun of him, okay? They were bullies, and they were making fun of this prophet for being a prophet, and they were calling him names, like you bald-headed, probably shiny head for quarter, kind of stuff like that, right? Actually, if you read into it, it probably wasn't teenagers, so I look over that way, but it was probably just young adults, really. Uh, and they were messing with them. There was a big group of them. And they were messing with this problem. And you know what he did? It's a true story. It's in the Bible. Go and read it. He caused a curse upon them. And the Lord causes some bears to come out and, and maul these kids and chase after them. I promise you, I'm not making it up. It's in the Bible. Google it, okay? Um, and, 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 and so he does this. So he does these amazing things. Um, he, 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 uh, he makes an accent float in the water. Uh, he purifies poison stew. There was this one situation that happened where there's this dead man that they threw on Elisha's bones. Elisha had already died and, and he was already laid to rest. And they threw this dead man on his bones and he came back to life. Right? This is, this is the, the prophet that, that we're talking about today, Elisha. He lived during 9th century BC at a time where Israel was a divided uh, nation. It was full of idolatry. People had turned from God. They were, they were uh, practicing in, in all these different idol worshiping and then Baal. And, and we see even a showdown with Elijah where he, uh, he comes up against the prophets of Baal, calls down fire from heaven and on the altar. And you remember that whole story uh, that happened there. And he has all these false prophets put to death. And, and now King Ahab is, is chasing after him with Jezebel, right? Um, and, and they're chasing after him and all the other prophets. Uh, of God had been killed, and, and now they're chasing after Elijah uh, to see that, that he's gone as well. And so we find Elijah right before we meet Elisha hiding. He's hiding from Ahab, he's hiding uh, from Jezebel, and God meets him there in that moment and says, Hey man, what, what are you doing? What 
are you doing? And, and he already knew, but Elijah tells him the story, what's happening. And, and God says, here, I need you to get up. I need you to anoint this king. You're going to anoint that king. It's going to be strategic into what's going to happen. And then I want you to go find this guy named Elisha. And I want you to anoint him because he is going to take over after you. Okay? So this is where we kind of pick up here in 1 Kings chapter 19, starting in verse 19. So Elijah went up from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was flying with 12 yoke of oxen. So this was likely a wealthy family. This is, this is like 12 pairs of oxen. That's, that's a lot of livestock. Uh, so they were likely a wealthy family. And he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the following equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. Let's pray. Dearly Father, we, we love you today. We praise you. God, I thank you so much for your word. I pray that we would learn from your word, God, that we would hide it in our heart, God, that we would allow it to penetrate our hearts, God. Lord, because we don't want to just come in and be entertained. We don't want to come in and, and just hear a great message that, that might make us feel good, God. We want to, to change. You are trying to mold us and shape us into your image, into the image uh, of you, Jesus. And that's what we should desire and that we should want. And your word does that. Your word, it cuts deep uh, to the deepest parts uh, of our soul. And it molds us. It shapes us. It leads and guides us in this world that we are living in so that we can be the people you are calling us to be. God, speak to us. May my words be anointed. May your Holy Spirit speak through me today. And God, change the hearts of men and women in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want you to notice a couple things about this passage. First of all, God is calling an ordinary man. He's meeting Elisha. He's out there plowing his father's field. This was not um, uh, someone in a religious family, because oftentimes the priests, they would come up through a family lineage, right? And, and, and even the prophets as well. But, but he doesn't come from a priestly family. He, he was no monk. He was not... Uh, in uh, seminary, studying to be any of these things. He was just, he was just a, an average, general, regular guy like many of us here in the room today. But even though he was an ordinary man, God called this ordinary man to be a prophet, he had ridiculous commitment because that's what it took to follow the call of God in his life. And for us today, that's what it's going to take in this world that we live in, what God is calling us to, to live for him and to fully surrender him. It's going to take ridiculous commitment. It's going to take ridiculous commitment because today you're going to get it and it's going to feel good because we spent time uh, with, with the church. But tomorrow you're going to go to work and you're not going to have the church there with you. You're going to be out in the world and there's going to be temptations. There's going to be struggles. There's going to be things that come up against you. And because of that, we have to have ridiculous commitment to God. So I think we can some learn, learn some things from Elisha uh, today. The prophets would often counsel kings. So, so there would be uh, a wisdom to the king, godly wisdom to the kings. They would uh, speak on behalf of God to the kings. They would speak on behalf of, uh, of God to the people. And a lot of times that would get these prophets in trouble because the truth hurts sometimes, doesn't it? 
And, and these prophets would often speak the truth with God about saying, hey, listen, and sometimes it wasn't always pleasant. Sometimes it was like, hey, you need to turn away from your wicked ways or it's going to be bad. And for that reason, a lot of people hated them at times because they didn't want to hear the truth. And, and so you got all that kind of stuff going on. They would often perform uh, miracles and, uh, and speak on behalf of God. But before he called Elisha, Elisha was just doing his job, working on his dad's farm. Living at home with his parents, working this farm. It was hard, maybe even boring, monotonous. If you ever mow your yard, and it's just, you're just doing the same thing. It's just kind of boring. You're just kind of mowing the yard. I have a push mower, so if you're lucky to have a ride mower, God bless you. Push mower, it's kind of just the same thing over again. Just doing it on this road. Oftentimes, like, Haley probably makes fun of me, and my neighbors probably think I'm weird. I oftentimes talk to myself a lot while I'm mowing the yard. Because it's just me and my thoughts and the mower. And, and then and a lot of times God will speak to me. I come up with sermon ideas and thoughts and things like that. And that's not because it's, it, I'm, I'm not. I'm just doing the same thing. It's just me by myself. And then God, God can have my attention. I'll probably miss a few spots over there in the corner. But, but yeah, so, so imagine Elijah. He's out here. This is what he's doing. He's plowing through. And he does the same thing every single day, right? Get up. Probably super early. Eat breakfast. Get out, get the, the oxen out there and, and get the plow. All day, every day, all the field. They have a big tractor set. They have no drag line out there in Mosaic, right? Nothing like that. Just hard work, walking along with these oxen all day, every day. Get up next morning, eat breakfast, hit the field, all the way. Next morning, get up, eat breakfast. Field. Walking in the mud and the muck, and you know you're walking behind oxen, you know they're going to drop a poop or two or three along the way. There's, there's 12 pairs of them, so that's a lot of ox poop. Like, it's okay, you can say that. Some of you are like, poop in church. Oh my gosh. It's okay. It happens. We all do it. But, but the ox, he's in that. That's what he's in every day. Right? You know, you ever go to a, a, a restaurant, and you come out of that restaurant, you smell like that restaurant, you go eat Chinese food, you know you don't smell like Chinese food, fried rice, right? He probably smelled like ox all day. He probably couldn't get that out of his nose, the manure and the, and the dirt and all that stuff. He probably smelled like that all the time, and it was that every day. That monotonous, same routine, every day. Anybody in the room, you feel like that in your life? Maybe you feel like that right now, as a parent, every day, get up, fight the kids to get up in the morning, come on parents, where you at, fight the kids to get up in the morning, they won't get out of bed, especially you got teenagers, come on, let's be honest guys, you guys don't like to wake up in the morning, right? you stay up way too late playing Fortnite, okay. it's like your parent, you're fighting with the kids to get up every day, get them off to school, packing their lunches, Wiping the noses, trying to comb their hair. I never knew that. I, you know, I don't have hair, and, and 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 you know, I wasn't really around kids a whole lot growing up, or even up until I was an adult. So having a daughter, it's, it's stressful. Just getting her ready. She screams at us to comb her hair. Like, I, I don't know what that is. Because I, I don't. What's going on? It's frustrating. But as a parent, you, 
you feel like that sometimes. It's like every day. It's the same thing. It's the grind. Maybe you feel that way on your job. Maybe you've been working the same job for a very long time. That's every day. Get up, eat breakfast, get the kids out the door, go to work. Work. You do that every day. Kids, you might feel like that going through school. Because some of you guys have been going to school for, for seven, eight, nine, ten uh, you know, years, and it's like you get up, even though you've got summers off and stuff like that, get up super early, go to school, listen to DJ, wah, 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 wah. you know, Charlie Brown. Yeah, you follow me. And then, and then you go home, it's homework, and study, at least you should be doing homework instead. And, and it can feel like that, day after day, day after day. Maybe on, on uh, you know, so many things in our life, they can feel that way, like we're just on that hamster wheel, right? And it's like, we keep running, we keep running. It's exhausting, and there's no break. And it's hard to see the purpose in it sometimes. Like, God, why, where am I at? What, 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 is, what is the purpose of whatever season of life that you're in? So maybe you can relate to Elisha a little bit. Kind of what he's experiencing in his life, day after day. You can lose your passion staring at ox rears, right? Every day the same thing, day after day. Elijah goes up to him, he finds Elisha, and he goes up to him, and he throws his cloak on him. This was his mantle. This was, hey, if you'll follow me, I've got you. You're going to be under my care, you're going to be under my supervision, you're going to be under my teaching. And, 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 and so Elijah places his mantle on Elisha. Jesus did something similar here, or he really said something similar when he said, hey, take upon my yoke, because it's easy and it's light. Pastor cares for me, take, take upon. The, the yoke was what they put on the ox. It was the big uh, wood beam that they put on the ox that, that would pull. And Jesus is saying, listen, if you'll take, the, if you'll take this mantle, so to speak, from me, it's going to be easier. I, I, I'll take the load. You don't have to do this life alone. You don't have to feel like you're going through this. There's a purpose in it, whatever it is. There's a purpose in it. If you'll just follow me, if, if you'll just let me take over, you'll be okay. And Elijah puts his mantle on Elijah. I want to share with you two principles of ridiculous commitment. Because this is my hope, and this is my I don't want you to ever come in and, and, and feel like entertaining. I don't want you to ever come in and, and feel like, oh, I want to get a nice fluffy message that's going to encourage you. You're going to get encouragement. I want to encourage you. But most importantly, I want you taking what you've learned here, what you experience here, what God is speaking into your life. I want you to take it out those doors. I want you to take it to your family. I want you to take it to your neighborhood, to your school, to your job. I want this to do something inside of you. I want to get this word in you so that God does something in you, but not only in you, but through you as well. God's word is meant to change us and to shape us and to lead us and to guide us, but, but, but never was it meant to make us feel good and feel comfortable and, and be entertained. But I fear the American church has kind of followed that trend because we've tried to be seeker friendly, and I get that. But my prayer is that you take this and you become ridiculously committed to God, to what he wants for you in his life, for his purpose in your life. A lot of us, we want the purpose, we want all the great things, we want the, the power, we want the authority, we want the signs and the miracles and the wonders, we want all the goosebumps. But oftentimes we don't like the discipline that leads us 
all those blessings and things that God wants for us. Right? Let's be ridiculously committed. You guys ready for that? Come on, let's be ridiculously committed. So the first thing is this. You have to understand fully to obey immediately. You don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. Alright, check this out. Verse 20. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my mother and father goodbye. He said, and then I will come with you. He didn't have to pray about it. Right? How many times we God calls us to something or, 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 or we feel prompted to something? Oh, man, God, pray about it. I, why you got to pray about something that God said to you, right? If God said, you don't, you don't need to pray about it. You don't need to, but we'll do that as an excuse. Like, or, or we'll pray this, God, it would be your will. As if we're getting God some kind of escape clause. Like, no. He, he didn't have to pray about it, right? He didn't have to pray about it. He didn't have to go to his therapist about it. He didn't weigh out the pros and cons. Okay, so let me see, Elijah. If, if I do this, um, this is how this is how this can play out. I, I can see where I can benefit from something like this. But, you know, what, what's really in it for me? If I do that, I might leave everything that I've known my whole life. This, this is, then I have security here. Like this is. I know I have a job here. Mom and dad, they're not going to kick me out. Like, you know, because I'm out here to clock my field, you know. And so he's not playing the pros and the cons. He's not trying to, to logically figure that out because that's a lot of times what we do, right? We try to logically wait things out, even the things that God speaks to us. He doesn't ask like for, all right, can you give me like my expectations of what, what you're expecting? Can you give me a job description, Elijah? So I know what I'm doing. He doesn't get that. Elijah doesn't say, hey, listen, this is what we're going to go do. He just places his man's arms and says, hey, come on, follow me. Right? He doesn't discuss the salary options. Like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm making a pretty good living here. I'm doing pretty good. I got roof over my head. I'm not fed. So, so tell me what's the bottom line, Elijah. He's not, he's not way on, on the, he just simply goes. He's all in instantly. He's like, hey, let me go tell my parents bye. And let's bounce. Right? He goes all in. That, that's ridiculous commitment. A lot of times we, we want to plan the future. And sometimes we, we try to plan things out so far ahead we forget to respond in the moment. We have to learn not to just plan for the future, but to learn to respond in the moment. Because it's in the moment that leads us to future. So we gotta fail to be able to, to obey God in, in the moment and trust Him fully for the outcome for the future result. And Elisha was consistent in these types of things. If you read through his story, he was he was consistent. His commitment, it was so ridiculous. He was so faithful to Elijah. Even when Elijah got called up into heaven, he was still there. Elijah gave him multiple times to say, hey, listen, if you want to go, I, I, I get it. And Elijah's like, no, I'm, I'm going to stick this out. I've been with you this far. I'm going to stick this thing out uh, with you. I want to see what, what happens. His commitment was, even after Elijah left, he continued the ministry. Because that's what he was called to do. He, he stuck with it. In fact, he, he was so committed. He says, listen, Elijah's like, I'm about to leave. So what? Do you need anything else from me? He's like, I want you to give me a double portion. If I'm going to carry on your ministry, if I'm going to continue to do the things that you did, I, I can't do it on my own. I need a double portion. And, and, and it's this. That it wasn't that he wanted more power or more authority. What that term was used in there for, it actually made inheritance. 
Because as, as uh, people had kids, there were birthrights given to the kids, right? And he wanted, if he was going to carry on this ministry, he wanted that, he wanted that mantle passed on to him. It was more of a birthright than it was more power. Same power. Same power as power of God. Same power. But he was wanting to be able to carry on the ministry of Elijah. And then, if you read that particular part of the text, Elijah gets called up. Elisha picks up his mantle, moves on, and he says this, and I think this is very profound. He says, where is the God of Elijah? He didn't say, all right, where did Elijah go? Elijah's been with me this whole time. Like, he's been the one out in front. He's been the one doing all the miracles and the signs and speaking on God's behalf. I'm like, really new to this. So where? He, he, didn't, he wasn't looking around where did Elijah go. He said, all right, where is the God of Elijah? And I wonder if sometimes we're looking around for, for this blessing and that blessing and for this answer and that answer and this gifting and that purpose and this thing. And God, why am I going through this? God, why am I struggling? Why is it? And I think we're so focused on all those things instead of saying, hey, God, where, where are you? I need you. Because I know if I can get a hold of you. I know if I can find you. I know if I can encounter you. I know I, 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 can, I can hear from you that I'll know what to do. Blessing, with the gifting, with the purpose, with the struggle. Where is the God? Elijah. This was the commitment of Elisha. He was ridiculously committed. And he stayed committed and picked up Elijah's mantle and he carried on his ministry. Ridiculous commitment is going to look like picking up that mantle and following Christ for us. What did Jesus say? Take up your cross and follow him. That, that's our mantle. That's our calling is to simply follow Christ. Trust in Him. To be ridiculously committed to Him. So what does that look like every single day? That means picking up the mantle of grace. After everything that Jesus has done for us, He died on that cross. That should have been us on the cross. But He said, no, I'm going to pay your debt. I'm going to take your place. I'm going to die for you. That is amazing grace. And so we get to have that in our life. We get to receive his amazing grace. But what happens when we encounter people in our life? What happens when we are hurt by someone? What happens when someone does something that we don't approve of? Do we extend that same grace? Every day we're going to have to pick up a mantle of grace. What about love? The Bible tells us we're to love God and love others. That sums everything up. Let's take up that mantle of love each and every day. Even if it's people that we don't like. Even if that's people that, that we can't stand. They don't look like us. They don't sound like us. They don't vote like us. We're supposed to pick up that mantle of love after everything that God has done for us. He so loved the world that he sent Jesus to die for you and for me. He so loves you that he created. He so loves you that he has a plan and purpose. Or you were supposed to pick up that mantle of love. What about the mantle of forgiveness? You and I were forgiven. Some of us, we've messed up. If we're all real honest in this, we have messed up a lot over and over again. God gives us forgiveness through Jesus. So there's going to be times when you need to pick that mantle up and forgive others. Things that they've said things that they've done, 
And it's not always people outside of the church. Sometimes it's people in the church. Gotta remember, none of us are perfect. There's no perfect church. Things happen sometimes. We gotta learn to pick up that mental of forgiveness. That is ridiculous commitment. Now, those things are obvious, but sometimes God is not super obvious, is he? God's directions are often intentionally vague for us. He doesn't always lay out the plan. But many of us, we want to know the plan, right? If we uh, were ever going on a trip, and we're, we're driving some kind of road trip, or even if it's you know a ways away where we're not familiar with the area, like I want to know, like, all right, what 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 road are we taking to get there? Right? And I, and I love we have the, uh, the thing on our phone now that you can you can look it up and you can see exactly where you're going. You can see exactly where you're turning. See, I want to know those. I want to know what exit am I getting off at, right? Because do I need to get into the right lane right now? Like I'm not. I get way in advance. Like Haley makes me nervous. She's like in fast lane. I'm like. You have to get over here, you know. I want to be way in advance in the correct lane. I don't want to miss my exit, right? Hey, hey, is this a long enough trip? Are we going to have to stop and get gas somewhere, Caesar? You know what I'm saying? Are we going to take potty breaks, right? Right? Is this going to happen during lunch or dinner? Do we need to, to stop and get? I'm not going to know those things in advance. But when it comes to God and what He wants us to do, oftentimes it's not so detailed, is it? Can you imagine being the disciples and, and God rolls there, Jesus rolls up on the scene like, hey, Peter, get off the boat. Come follow me. Make you fishers of men. What does that mean, Jesus? How do you fish for men? Like with a hook? And like, what does that even mean? And Jesus like, just follow me. Right? Can you imagine? Oh, no. God says, hey, I want you to build a boat. I'm not talking like a 16-foot skid. I want you to build a big boat. Because I'm going to flood the earth. People thought he was straight up crazy out of his mind. Yeah, he stayed ridiculously committed to God's plan. He doesn't always lay out the details for us, but he does expect us to follow and surrender. So what does that look like for you each and every day? Maybe in your marriage. Maybe to be ridiculously committed. Maybe it's just staying. Right? Some days are hard. Some days are difficult. I'll never forget the advice Ted gave me when I went to get married. He said, listen, the answer is not down the road at someone else's house and someone else's couch. It's right there in your own home working things out. Maybe being ridiculously committed in your marriage is just to decide to stay. Let's work this thing out. Even if we fight. Even if we argue. And let's be honest. If you fight, then there's a makeup part of it. Just on that down there. Kind of fun. Um, what about in your health? In your health. Maybe being ridiculously committed in your health is just to simply trust God. To trust Him. You know, it's going to be okay that He is your healer. Amen? Maybe it's an idea that God gives you. Maybe, maybe to be ridiculously committed in that idea is just to start. You don't have to have it all, the whole portfolio, everything laid out together. Maybe it's just to start and tweak it as you go. What about church? Maybe to be ridiculously committed is, is to, to be committed, to come, to be involved, to serve, to give, to share. Maybe, maybe when it comes to kids, maybe it's to adopt or foster. 
Maybe if it's you are dating, if you're in the room and you're single, maybe it's to break up with that bum because he don't even have a job, right? He don't have a car. Maybe he's just not the right one right now for you. You don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. Trusting God looks a lot like taking that first step. Having faith obedience. Okay, God, I hear you. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know. I'm going to have faith. I'm going to obey. You don't have to fully understand to obey immediately. And then those that God uses the most are the ones who hold on to the least. Those that God uses the most are the ones who pulled on to the leaves. Look at verse 21. So Elijah left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and he slaughtered them. Oh, poor ox. I bet Peter was there. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and give it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. He slaughtered all of his livestock. Slaughtered them all. They would often do this, you know, that, that, that. Uh, sacrificing the fatted calf, they would do this in a, a celebration or a ceremonial type of thing. And, and so he, he slaughters them all. And everybody eats. Right? Everybody eats. Doesn't just make some steaks. He doesn't just slaughter the, the ox. He then burns all the plows, right? It's weird, right? It doesn't make sense, does it? Or does it? See, God's assignment was placed on Elijah. And he did this so he doesn't have anything to look back to. There's some things that we hold on to. There's some things that we look back to and they keep us from being ridiculously committed to the call of God in our lives. And Elijah, he burns it all. He burns his plow. He has nothing to look back to. He is fully, ridiculously committed. See, it's easy to stay with what's comfortable. It's easy to do what we've always done. And Elijah puts his mantle on Elisha. And while it was given to him, he still had to take it. He still had to take that step of faith. And obedience. Are you willing to burn your plows today? Whatever that looks like for you. Is that sin? Is that your past? Is it maybe some things that you know God didn't call you to, but you did it anyway? Maybe you need to, to burn that. Is it some relationships? What does that look like for you? Maybe it's comfort. Maybe you've been playing it safe. What is that? What does your plow look like today? And are you willing to burn that so that you can live ridiculously for God? Elisha made a decision to leave livelihood and stability and everything that on paper made sense. But he chose to be ridiculous. It's easy to get caught up in a routine. It's easy to become comfortable again, that, that hamster wheel, right? And then anything that deviates from that, it throws us all out, right? Look, look at all this COVID stuff. Like a lot of us had to stay home, we had to do things differently, and it threw everybody out. There, there may be some people that, that, that it got them out of their routine of following God. Because let's be honest, we were all watching church in our jammy jams, in our beds, we were watching on Sunday, right? And it took a minute for us to kind of get. That in that reason. Maybe you just gotta stop reading your Bible like you were before. Maybe you quit praying like you were because we got out of our, our routine. 
we ridiculously committed no matter what happens in our life. If you don't want to look back, but you want to launch forward into everything that God has for your life, you're going to need to burn some flowers. Worship team, you guys can come up. And it looks and it sounds ridiculous, especially to the world outside of it. It's going to look and it's going to sound ridiculous. It might even look and sound ridiculous to you. Again, look at the disciples that were called to follow Christ. Jesus said, just follow me. All right, Matthew, you're a tax collector. Follow me. Peter and Andrew, I know you're a fisherman, but it's time for follow me. And they left their life. They left what was tough. They left what they wanted to do, what they knew. Follow Jesus. Paul. Paul, before he was Paul, he was known as Saul. He was a great persecutor. He was a well-known religious leader, very educated. He left all that behind because he had an encounter with Jesus. And he chose to follow him. Are you willing to burn the plow today? Are you willing to have ridiculous plow-burning faith? Now, I'm not telling you to go home and, and just sell everything. Unless God tells you to. I've known people to do that. But I'm, I'm not telling you that. I'm just telling you to simply take those steps of faith and obedience. Whatever it is that God calls you to. Are you willing to have that power and ridiculous faith? Get rid of any, anything that's holding you back from God. Anything that's holding you back from Lord Him. Anything that's holding you back from your purpose and the plan that God has for you. Anything that will keep you from God. Are you willing to burn that today? Are you willing to lay that down at the altar? Are you willing to lay that down at the feet of Jesus today so that you can walk into the things that he's calling you to? So you can have that faith and obedience and that ridiculous commitment. Because your plow is what changes you to ordinary. It keeps you chained. It keeps you stuck to ordinary. It holds you back. That present job that you took that wasn't God's will for your life? Is it the passionless approach that you take to your current job that you have that God is wanting you to stay in? Is it the small thoughts about what God wants to do in you and through you? Is a life that's maybe a little too safe and a lifestyle that's a little too comfortable and tends to factor God out altogether? Elisha burned the flower. He killed the oxen. He had nothing to go back to. He had nothing to look to. That was his livelihood. That was his income. It was everything that made sense. And Elijah just says, hey, come and follow me. So Elisha himself probably didn't even truly understand what that is. And yet, he had ridiculous commitment and he chose to go anyway. He took that step of faith.
Wait a minute. I don't know if I want to leave this. I don't know if I want to give up that sin. I, I, I don't know if I want to give up that habit. I, I don't know if I want to give up that relationship. I don't know if I want to give up this because it's, it's comfortable, it's easy, I like it. www.tlchurchpc.com If you haven't been to our church yet, we would love to meet you. Come by for a life-changing experience. God bless.